Welcome to the Hands in Motion podcast, brought to you by the American Society of Hand Therapists. Here we will discuss all things upper extremity therapy, from assessment to treatment, the latest research, the patient experience, and other topics related to the field of upper extremity rehab. Learn more and subscribe today at ASHT.org. Welcome back to another episode of Hands in Motion. We are really excited about this episode. It's a little bit different than some of our usual interview type episodes in that Stephanie and I are going to talk about the annual meeting because we both had the opportunity to attend in person the 2021 ASHC annual meeting. And so in person. (laughs) Yes, finally in person. Everybody, we were all able to gather and see each other, see our friends and colleagues. And we also took our microphones with us and had a lot of fun just talking with some of the attendees. We interviewed some of the speakers and even some of the board members. We even got our CEO, I think that's his title, executive director. That's it. (laughs) We interviewed him as well. So we're excited to share that with you and just kind of a breakdown of the conference and just some of the talks that we were able to attend, some of the networking that we were able to do, and just give y'all kind of a behind the scenes look at the annual meeting. So I thought it was really fun because we talked to people that we probably would never have gone up to and talked to a lot of first time attendees couple other special guests that we will not highlight at the current moment, but you'll find out later in the episode. But it was just really fun to kind of get their perspective on what they thought the meeting, how it was going and what they liked about the meeting. So it was just really fun. Yeah, for sure. And Stephanie, I actually got to kick off the meeting with a pre-con. We both were I guess, presenting, teaching at one of the pre-cons, the hands-on orthotics. That was a lot of fun just to get early excitement with the meeting as well. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, it went smoothly as always with the breakers going off. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) We always seem to need more electricity than what they think. At least 20 times, right? (laughs) Right. It's amazing what those little splint pan. Electric pan. Electric skittles. Skittles, Skittles, skillets, (laughs) (laughs) electric skillets, how much electricity they end up taking, but it was a lot of fun. No matter, right. No matter how many times we tell them it will trip the breakers. They do not listen to us. So, right. So thank you to those that took our course and thank you for bearing with us as we worked with one skillet and then two, then three, (laughs) then slowly we got more and more. So then that evening, I guess afternoon, usually kicks off around what, 4.30 or so, we started with plenary session number one. And I think that's kind of a fun thing about this meeting is that you just jump right in. And one of the first sessions, actually the first two sessions, we had panels. So the first one being a panel of surgeons and therapists and a lot of kind of a big theme around this, and you'll kind of hear from the chair of the planning committee later on why she chose some of the topics. But one of the, a big theme of this meeting was around nerves and nerve injuries. And so the first plenary session was a panel of surgeons and therapists talking about nerves, nerve injuries, nerve repairs, nerve grafting, lots of different options and techniques. But the second panel actually included two 
patience, patience um, yeah. to say, to use a lack of a better term, but people that have been impacted by brachial plexus injuries. I heard a lot of people say how impactful that was mm-hmm. um, as to therapists. them. Yeah. Right. As therapists, we know we do this every day, but to see two patients be so grateful to the physicians and the therapists, it's intimidating going up there to speak about what happened to you. And of course there were tears. And I mean, it was just a really great way to kick off the meeting. And I really liked the fact that they, I think this was the first year they ever did anything like nerves or the focus was on nerves. Usually they take it by body part. So I think it was a very different approach this year. And I really enjoyed the different approach this year. Yeah. Like you said, the patient perspective and just their honesty yeah. too. I mean, yeah, they, mm-hmm. they talked about how great things are now, but it wasn't mm-hmm. always that way. And I think that's a nice reminder to us as therapists that this is a process and how we can support our clients, our patients throughout that healing process. And, mm-hmm. and it was nice and, to hear they were very grateful. for yeah, their, And, and just how much, team. you know, they look to us for guidance and Mm -hmm. not just about their injury, just about their whole life. And, you know, their life was completely turned upside down. And yes, you had mentioned it wasn't always easy and they were very candid with their experiences. Yeah, it was a great way to kick it off. But one thing that I think the first evening that's a lot of fun that ASHT hosts is the um, the welcome reception. So it's oh yeah, kind of the first fun event that everybody gets to. You've just sat through a couple of great talks. There's just a buzz and everybody moved down to the exhibit hall and for the opening reception. I always find that a lot of fun, just seeing just everybody. Mingling. Yeah. Mingling with, yeah. with your colleagues and people you haven't seen in two years and just getting right. to catch up and just the excitement, I think for the rest of the meeting too, just the start of that excitement too. Mm-hmm. And of course, us going around with our microphones was always an important part of that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. We actually were able to interview a few people, some first-time attendees, and even some people that would be speaking later on at the conference. And so we want you to have a chance to hear what they had to say too. All right. So tell me your name and where you're from. My name is Manda Rosenbaum and I'm from Bristol, Tennessee. And so I understand this is your first time at the ACT annual meeting. Yes. Last year I was lucky enough to attend the virtual meeting, but this is my first in person. Yay. Well, we're so glad that you're here. So tell us, what are you, I guess, looking forward to the most about being here in person? I am excited about um, just the collaboration between experienced therapists. Next May, I'll be studying and taking my CHT. So I need all the preparation that I can get. <laughs> nice. Okay. So are there any talks that you've already like got on your list that you want to attend? I'm interested in learning more about the pain management aspect of hand therapy and just addressing a lot more psychosocial issues. That's been such a relevant topic, I think, over the last couple of years. So I think that'll be a nice addition this year to this to the meeting. Hi, 
Hi, how are you? Tell us your name and where you're from. Sure, my name's Katie, and I am from St. Louis. Here, I'm here in my hometown. <laughs> oh, great, so this is your first conference? Yeah, it is. I was super lucky. My first conference as an OT and is interested in hand therapy was in St. Louis, so I got really, really lucky. Is there any areas that you're looking to attend or what courses you're kind of checking out? Yeah, well, my first interest was actually the talk that already happened with Dr. D and the panel and the brachial plexus panel. What did you think of that? Yeah. I it was great. I had been, I just got a patient, a brachial plexus patient, so it was really pertinent and um, I had started him on a donor recipient program, but this really kind of helped me figure out where to look further and kind of hone my research that direction. Oh great, so I hear that you're a new, a recent grad, however, not the normal recent grad. You were a occupational therapy assistant before that, so what made you transition to go back into OT and, or get your degree as an OT? So I've been a CODA for about five years I and mean, I've been working in a neuro outpatient program and I really decided that it was time for me to go back to school because I wanted to learn more and I wanted to better my practice for my patients and especially getting more into evidence-based practice and research. And so I found a bridge program and then went ahead and uh, transitioned from CODA to OTR and I just graduated this August. Great and I hear you're in hand therapy. Yeah I got that was one of the main interest is to kind of divert my into the practice of hand therapy and and really get more education that way and further my career great great well have a great time at the conference and thanks for interviewing with us thank you so much all right so tell us your names and where you're from my name's Hannah Enright I'm from st. Louis Missouri I'm Rachel Park and I'm from Los Angeles California and I understand that y'all are both Johns Hopkins. Nice. And this is your first time attending the ASH annual meeting, is that correct? Yes, it's our first time. Welcome. welcome. We're so excited that we're all back in person. So tell me what you are most excited about this year. I think just learning a more systematic approach to evaluation in general. It's really easy to just get caught up in like the classic tests and signs of different diagnoses. And so learning a more systematic approach to what's going on is good. Yeah. yeah, and for me, it's meeting different professionals, not just OTs and CHTs, but MDs and surgeons as well. Just getting like a broad understanding of hand therapy and its context. Yeah, I think we've all this last year. Mm -hmm. Once we were in person at a meeting, I think we all just missed the collaboration. Yeah. So are there any talks that are like on your radar that you are must, must attend? Yeah, so I've actually been seeing a lot of cervical radiculopathy, and it's not something I've been really exposed to. So it's one of my new areas of interest and really like learning how to find it and how to treat people with cervical radiculopathy versus like peripheral nerve stuff yeah I'm really excited and learning more about like flexor tendon repairs that baffles me and fascinates me all at the same time I'm really excited about learning that like here and then just in my fellowship so, yeah. thank you
All right, so tell us your name and where you're from. Hi, uh, my name's Adam Holbrook. I'm uh, from Santa Cruz, California. Wow, you've come quite a distance to get to St. Louis. It, I'm so excited to be here. We, I think we're all just so excited to be face-to-face and actually seeing people instead of through a screen. So glad you were able to make the trip. Thank you, thank you. So tell us how you are most known among people that might be here at this meeting with oh. ASHT. Oh, that's a loaded question. <laughs> that's a really loaded question because it's supposed to be something professional, right? No, Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. have a little fun. Okay, well, I think among some people around here, they kind of remember me because at the Anaheim meeting, when everybody was already sort of settled in their rooms, I decided that I should probably have a roommate. So I posted on the e-community just a couple of days before the conference started that, hey, you know what? I have a room and I could use a roommate if anybody's out there. And I got a lot of flack from that. People just... <laughs> jarring me like what the heck are you thinking what how could you possibly do this what who's going to need a room everybody's already got their rooms so i well deserved jarring well deserved but as it ended up one of the international speakers actually had not booked a room and i think the person that had brought him didn't book a room and she came up to me and she said are you the one that posted about that room available and i said yeah i am so i ended up actually being roommates with uh, B-Sense, I forget his last name, did an amazing presentation on um, neoprene extension orthosis for PIP contractures, which was amazing. So that's uh, probably what I'm most notoriously known for around well, here. Well, kind of the jokes on all the people in, from the e-community that were ragging on you because you found a roommate. So, <laughs> And I'm sure that the international speaker was very grateful that you put that out there. So <laughs> thanks for that. Right. <laughs> so I also understand that you have volunteered with an ASHT, especially on a certain committee. So tell us a little bit about that. Sure, sure. Thank you. Yeah, actually, I um, sort of started volunteering with ASHT. I volunteered on the newly formed committee, the uh, Technologies and Communication Committee. We call it TechCom for short. Okay. Back when it was first created, uh, Heidi Herman Wright reached out to me for my application because I thought, you know what? I love tech stuff. I'm kind of that kind of geeky person. So after a few years of being on the committee, I actually chaired it. And then I handed those reins over. Um, That TechCom committee does a lot with trying to get the message out about therapy services, uh, a lot of support stuff, a lot of uh, informational flyers to hand out to people. Working together with ASSH on the blog is one of the big things that they do. So it's a great committee to get uh, get started on and have a lot of fun with. Yeah, sounds like it. Well, thanks for volunteering with an ASHT and helping with kind of the grassroots of a committee. No problem. And if anybody needs room, just let me know. All right. We'll keep your name. (laughs) All right. Thank you. Thanks. So let's see, Friday morning, we started out bright and early, 6.30 a.m. with the new attendee breakfast. So that was the time to be able to mix or mingle with first-time attendees. The entire board of directors were there, and they kind of just gave a good overview about really what ASHT is, what we do, and just really wanted to convey the message that all of the board members and really anybody in ASHT is approachable. And that they will stop and just talk with you and wanted to get that message across so that to try to encourage and facilitate even 
whether it's new hand therapists or somebody that's totally switched professions to give them an outlet to just be able to go and ask questions or just use people for mentors or just that were really approachable. I actually went to the new or first time attendees breakfast, my first time mm-hmm. at the annual meeting. And I really, even though it was super early in the morning, I, <laughs> I really enjoyed that one meeting other kind of younger, newer therapists, but hearing about also just different ways to get involved in ASHT one, how to kind of navigate the meeting in and of itself, but itself, also just right. have, how to navigate ASHT too. And I, yeah. I appreciated that the board members, I think it was the BMALs, the board members so- at large that led it. Yeah. So when I was a BMAL or a board, I should say not a BMAL, a board intern, that was one of our jobs as the board interns to, I don't want to say host that, but we were the ones that were conveying the message where I think this time it was really the board itself that did a lot of the speaking, which was really, really nice. Yeah, that's great. So as we're going through the day, we were able to catch people coming in and out of different sessions. And again, trying to get their feedback on what they thought of different things, what they thought of the the speakers, the topics. So we'll probably end up going into a little bit more um, with a couple more interviews. Yeah. And I think we even have the opportunity to catch a couple of the presenters for some of the concurrent sessions. So you'll get to hear what they were going to be speaking about. All right. Tell us your name and where you're from. Hello. Well, my name is Alexandra Diaz-Rivero and I'm from Puerto Rico. Oh, very cool. So glad you're able to join us. So I understand this is your first ASHT annual meeting. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, it is. So what are you most looking forward to? So I'm an OTA and I'm just um, keep studying for complete my bachelor degree and after that complete my master degree on OT and I want to be a CHT as well. So I'm just, you know, learning. I work with a hand therapist and she's an OT and I'm working with her learning every day and this is my best, um, you know, way to do OT. Absolutely. I'm sure we've got several people here kind of with that same goal in mind of becoming an OT and and eventually a CHT. So we're so glad you were able to join us from Puerto Rico. Yeah, thank you. All right. My name's Melanie Hubbock, and I'm from Colorado Springs, Colorado. And I understand that you're actually speaking at the conference this year. I am. I speak on Sunday, the very last session, if you're interested. And what is the topic that you're speaking about? I'll be talking about nutrition and wound healing, implications for the hand therapist. Okay. And so how did you get interested in that topic? So before I transitioned to occupational therapy, my first career was actually as a cancer researcher, and my master's is in metabolic biology. I ended up finding hand therapy because my lab mate sustained a flexor tendon injury. I was on part of the team driving him over to San Francisco. His therapist was talking about the tendon healing and when it would weaken. And that got me interested because I thought, hey, that's metabolic biology. That's my background. Anyways, I was looking for a career change and that's how I came into hand therapy. But now my goal is to really bring nutrition into the field of hand therapy and really unite both of those backgrounds. Very cool. So give us like maybe three of the top things that you're going to be focusing on during your talk. 
All right. So first thing is the many different factors that play into nutrition, not just what we eat, but how and when and why and what we're doing with that. Next piece is what are the tangible recommendations? How can we take all this science to boil it down to tangible recommendations for the clinician to pass on to the patient? And I think the third is that recognizing that there's many facets to healing and this is just one more to add into the toolbox. Very cool. Well, I know that we're really looking forward to hearing about that and just another area to add to our, our clinical practice. So thanks for being here and thanks for presenting. Yeah, thank you very much. All right, so tell us your name and where you're from. Hi, uh, my name is Rich and I'm from New York, New York. And I understand that you are speaking on hand therapy and treating patients who have sustained gunshot wounds. Is that correct? Yes. So Sunday, we have a, a good talk put together just about how to provide equitable and high quality care to folks experiencing gunshot wounds and gun violence. And how did you find yourself treating that patient population? Yeah, so my roots in hand therapy and in OT are here in St. Louis at WashU. And in 2016, there was a group of students that really, really wanted to be more involved in hand therapy, which led us to open a student-run hand therapy clinic with a CHT mentor. We opened this clinic and we worked with the surgeons who also ran a pro bono clinic, but these individuals that they are providing surgical care for had no follow-up therapy. So someone would get shot, go to the ER, get their repair surgery, and then off back into the world with no follow-up care because most of it was, you know, emergency surgery. And so what we didn't know when we opened this clinic is what exactly our population would look like. And within the first six months, 30% of our patient population was gunshot wounds. So I think it's really, I think it's just really telling that we opened this pro bono clinic and this was such a large part of the population that came in, particularly in St. Louis, as it's been called the ground zero of gun violence in the United States. It's particularly not a great situation here in St. Louis. And as therapists, and especially at that point as students who were just kind of getting our feet wet with hand therapy, we were like, whoa, we need to take a step back and really figure out how to help these folks because there were so many other barriers that these people were experiencing. I mean, we had a free clinic in downtown St. Louis, but still just a $2 bus fare was sometimes the barrier to making it to therapy. Sure. And so that launches down this whole path of just kind of uh, diving in more into this population. And then I ended up developing a model specific to hand injury and upper extremity gunshot wounds and, and hand therapy and how to kind of take into account those extrinsic social and, and environmental factors and those intrinsic factors, some that are defined by a gunshot wound, like physiological changes, scar tissue, vascular concerns, nerve injury, which is very common with gunshot wounds, and then those common extrinsic factors. So most people after gunshot wound have some set of depressive symptoms, have trouble with social functioning, particularly at work and school. And then you got to think about the primary population that this affects, which is usually 18 to 24-year-old black males who are at the height of kind of finding that work or that school, that education experience. I, I've been really fascinated by it and just want to kind of spread awareness and education about the population to just think and zoom out a little bit to really provide the equitable care as 
you know, gun violence is now just referred to as a biopsychosocial disease. So I think we just need to meet it as such. Yeah, that sounds really fascinating. And we are looking forward to hearing that talk. So thank you for presenting. All right. Thanks for having me. Thanks. So then we went into plenary session two, which was drum roll. (laughs) So we had a really unique opportunity this year in this plenary session to have fellow podcasters from the upper hand, Dr. D and Dr. Goldfarb join us to do a a recording, kind of a live recording of their podcast. And they- It was fun. It was. It was really fun. (laughs) It was fun to be in the audience watching them record because we listen to them, we hear them. And so you, you know their voices, but to see them kind of bantering back and forth and Mm -hmm. just kind of ragging on each other a few times and, Mm -hmm. but also just sharing some of their clinical wisdom. They talked about tendon injuries, their approaches. And what I really also liked is Becky Nadesky, who was a previous guest on our podcast, helped moderate that. And they just had a really fluid conversation, but it was fun just to be kind of a fly on the wall during one of their recordings. Yeah. I mean, I did learn a lot too, as we were going. So, I mean, it was definitely fun. They were kind of, I don't want to say nervous, Nervous. Nervous wasn't the word, but he was like, <laughs> uh, you know, we've never done this with a full audience in front of us. So, and there was a lot of people that attended that session. So it was kind of neat to see them interact and, and kind of had to play into the audience a little bit as well, a live audience sure. versus yeah. a recorded audience. And we, yeah. afterward, we hunted him down. We hunted Dr. <laughs> D down. Dr. Cold Barb wasn't able to be there in person, but we hunted Dr. D down and were able to interview him afterward. And so we've got a little bit of that to share with you today too. All right. So we're here with Dr. D right after finishing a live recording as a fellow podcaster. We're so excited and it was fun and we definitely should do it again. So tell us what kind of inspired you and Dr. Goldfarb to start a podcast? So he says it's his idea. (laughs) I really don't think it was his idea. I remember when we were sitting in our journal club, we do a journal club with the, you know, six other faculty and we were talking about articles and kind of how they've changed our practice and this is gold, like this should be shared. And I said, why don't we do a podcast? And I went to to all the faculty and he said, "Mm, not really, I don't think that's us, you know, blah, blah, blah. So then fast forward a year later, Goldfarb was like, hey, you know, we should do a podcast. Like, we could just like talk about hand surgery. Like, That's a great idea, Chuck. I think we really should do that. Uh, so that was kind of towards the end of 2019. And then we launched at the beginning of 2020. And it's been an adventure since then. Yeah, it's been fun to listen to. And we're really fortunate that we got to be part of a live recording today. How did y'all like conceptualize that? Or were you approached? Or how did that um, come to be? I, I think I was talking with Nora about the program. And I pitched it because we've always wanted to do something like this. Because the format's fun. The format totally lends itself to this kind of engagement. And I honestly wish we had more audience engagement. I think that if we do this again, we'll make sure to get more people asking questions and all of that. I think it was just a, you know, serendipitous that happened to be in St. Louis, uh, the meeting. And we were both planning on being here. Obviously, Chuck wasn't able to make it because he was uh, welcoming his daughter up to college. But uh, it worked out really well. It was fantastic. Yeah, it was a lot of fun just seeing... I guess the three of y'all kind of chatting through, because even listening to your podcast, it is a very much kind of discussion, sometimes not argument, but you know, you go back and (laughs) forth. (laughs) 
on things. So it's fun to even just visually see that today as well. So I think that was a, a neat aspect for us in the audience. I enjoy it greatly. It's, uh, you know, I love talking about hand and it's Chuck spilled. I love talking about nerves. So any chance right. I get to talk about hand <laughs> surgery, hand therapy, nerves, all that stuff, I jump at it. So yeah, well, we'll definitely have to do this again. Because it was a that. lot of fun. <laughs> I would love that. And good luck with your podcast. Thank like you. I'm going to go download now. Great. Thank you. <laughs> So again, a huge thank you to Dr. D, Dr. Goldfarb for taking part in our annual meeting this year. Dr. D actually spoke a few times. We we're very appreciative of that and just appreciative of their support of the hand therapy community. So later on, on Friday, we actually had plenary session number three, and that was a chance to hear from our president, Rachel Paget, her presidential address. And then she actually invited for the presidential invited lecture, Dr. Will Ross to speak about equity and diversity and inclusion. He is a physician in St. Louis. And I really enjoyed his presentation talking about ways that they have worked in St. Louis to reach the patients where they're at and talked about inclusion of these patients and the diversity that's in their community. I was feverishly taking notes during his presentation. And one of the things that I really appreciated him saying was, because a lot of times we want to help people and we want to do all these things for people, but the programs that are the most successful are when you build community built, not community built based programs. What he meant by that is that with a community built program is that those programs are set up by the people that are right there in that area and in that community. And they are the ones giving input and they are the ones collaborating with you, not just you bringing in services to this area. And I thought that was really important again, because we want to help, but we might not always have the lens and the viewpoint that the people in that area are experiencing. And so I thought that was really important for us to be mindful of how these programs are started, that we aren't just doing community-based, but we really are building them with the people in that community. And another thing that he talked about just with inclusion and equity, kind of the difference, I liked this analogy that he used that inclusion is being asked to dance, but equity is being given dance lessons before the dance. And I think that's really important to remember that, yes, we all want to be invited to that party, but making it equal is by putting everyone on that same level and giving people those dance lessons. So I really enjoyed that. And then he stuck around for a little bit and we had another panel, which I really enjoyed all the panels because you got a a nice input from a, a variety of people. There was a physical therapist, a couple of occupational therapists that spoke. And then Dr. Ross also stuck around to discuss different... Their talk was titled, The Multifactorial Nature of Health Equity. And so just hearing from a few different presenters from the community and how they are working toward equity, specifically in the St. Louis area, but how each of us can take that back to our areas as well and make a difference and and push for health equity. Yeah. And just looking back, you know, at Rachel's incoming address was about health equity and our first podcast was on health equity. It was nice for that ending the year speaking about the same topic. And I look at it very differently than I have before. 
especially just learning what I have from last year to this year and going through just the thing that the nation went through and just seeing how things changed, how we were able to accommodate people who maybe were not able to get into the clinic. So it was just really nice to see that closing that way as well. And Dr. Voss was an excellent speaker. If you get a chance, definitely listen. Yes, for sure. So throughout the whole conference, there are instructional sessions kind of sprinkled throughout Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And it's really nice. They're short sessions, usually 45 minutes, maybe some are an hour, and they're varying topics. So one sad thing when you attend in person is that often there are several sessions that are happening concurrently that you cannot attend. So you have to pick which one you want to go to. So I know there was two or three going on at one time. And I was like, phew, thank goodness they have the virtual this year because now I can attend all of the other (laughs) sessions and really take my time and be able to listen. And not that you're not listening when you're there, but you're getting so many things thrown at you and different topics. And they're usually such a wide range of topics, but they're usually all excellent. So that's one good thing about having the virtual this year. I know I did start listening now that it opened today. No, that was yesterday. It opened. I started listening to one or two of the sessions that I really, really wanted to go to. And it's really nice to have that that capability now. All right. Sue, tell us, remind us where you're from. I'm from Philadelphia. Awesome. Okay. And so I understand that you just presented on rehabbing golf players or I guess hand therapy for returning to golf. Is that correct? Well, it's a correct, but I'll enhance it a little bit. Okay. Right. So golf is a whole body sport. And even as an upper extremity specialist, we can offer our patients more than just our rehabilitation of the injured structure including rehabilitating the patient, not only what we did in 2020 for our presentation, we really wanted to do it live, but of course then there were changes. Right. But what we really talked about was not only the injured structures, but we kind of hinted at the fact that we can engage our golfer with practicing putting if they've had a wrist injury, right? So it's not going to stress their injured tissues. Mm -hmm. So we took that concept this year and went a little further in the transition phase, meaning now the patient's pretty much recovered from their injury, but we're trying to return them to a whole body sport. So Nancy Cannon and Danielle Sparks really put together this great resource that's available on the Indiana Hand to Shoulder Center website. And there's an evaluation component as well as home programs. So I would encourage everybody to go to their website and look at the therapy resources there because if you have any kind of golfer, I think those resources will be helpful for you. Very cool. So I'm not a golfer, but my mother is, well, my dad, that's kind of been their retirement excitement thing. My mom is a total nerd and she will totally appreciate me saying that, but I know she would even love to see those things because I think, did y'all touch on like the anatomy and the biomechanics of these athletes? 
Um, we absolutely did that. In fact, there's a great resource book called Golfer's Anatomy. We oh, gave away cool. three of those books oh, uh, cool. for the person, That's people exciting. who answered the questions yeah. correctly. So we really were very serious in our presentation, um, <laughs> which is mm, a little bit of a satire there, right? So it was a five o'clock presentation. So you had to have a little fun. Absolutely. And really our focus was the fact that so many people can even benefit from just general conditioning, even the Mm -hmm. golfer who doesn't have a hand injury, right? So everyone arrives to their Sunday or Saturday tea time and says, you know, oh, I pulled this muscle or this is stiff and all of those biomechanical changes, right? So whether it be a flexibility problem being joint stiffness and or muscle tendon unit tightness, it can be a weakness or a motor learning deficit and it can be pain limitation, right? So as biomechanical experts, we can fix those and then work with the expert and the swing coaches, meaning your golf professional, your athletic trainers, those types of people. So the pairing of the expertise of the therapist to say, you know, the reason you can't complete your swing is because your lats are tight and, you know, no wonder you're having some pain in your posterior shoulder because you're trying to compensate for this lat tightness. If we work on your lat tightness, your swing will improve. So it really is a combination of the amount of knowledge that we know Mm -hmm. and where we find that we can provide information to that golf professional swing coach and work together to have our patients accomplish their goal of having a great time of golf and score lower. Very interesting. I'm going to have to watch this so then I can answer all of my mom's questions when she comes to me. So, and I have to say y'all's cute little shirts. I love the matching. I know our listeners can't see this, but I love the matching shirts. I think that just adds to your presentation. So, so I'm excited <laughs> because I am a golfer. So I am looking forward to checking it out on the virtual So, and please reach out to us with questions, reach out to us with your success stories, with your challenges. We do hope to generate some interest in in this specialty. So, and your low golf scores. And your low (laughs) golf scores. Thanks. We appreciate it. So if you weren't at the meeting, you may have noticed a little change in the logo for ASHT that we actually got to see the unveiling of at the annual meeting this year during the annual business meeting. And it was pretty exciting. The board had a video that kind of highlighted the why the changes were being made and mm-hmm. um, the rebranding. And it, it was really fun to watch that and just the buildup of that. And I know that there are a lot of people that have worked really hard on that over the last at least year, if probably not even longer than that. I know the board is included in that, but just also our executive Thank you. Directors. Our, our <laughs> executive staff. And there you go. They not only have obviously help us throughout the year with just the organization, but Everything. they play a huge <laughs> part in the annual meeting. And we're so grateful for their hard work during, I know that they get there before any of us arrive and they stay mm-hmm. after as well, just making sure that everything runs smoothly. And we had a, an opportunity to sit down with Jean, Terry, and Jessica Hayes, our executive director and the meeting manager, just to hear about how everything comes together for us to be able to enjoy several days of our annual meeting. All right. So we're winding down on the 
first hybrid annual meeting and we're here with the executive director and meeting manager. So tell us your name and then we want to find out how it's been leading this first hybrid meeting. Hi, my name is Jessica Hayes and I am the meetings manager for the ASHG. This year was our first hybrid meeting, as you have mentioned. I think coming from a COVID realm, moving to a hybrid meeting is the only way to go. Because from 2019 to 2020, moving into 2021, with meetings not taking place in person and everyone hosting virtual events, it gave you the experience to reach a new attendee base. So I mean, people who are living under rocks and in far, far away who can't attend conferences have the ability to participate and attend. So I think a hybrid way is the way to go moving forward for our attendees. Yeah, and this is Gene Terry, Executive Director for the American Society of Hand Therapists, and we couldn't be happier to have put on an in-person meeting for the Society. It's been two years since this organization has had a face-to-face meeting. We did very well pivoting to virtual meetings, but we could tell by the enthusiasm that folks are ready to learn, they're ready to network, and there was a lot of planning that was put in place behind the scenes to make sure that we fully executed one meeting with two different experiences, you know, experience for in-person and experience for virtual and making sure that the virtual attendees felt engaged and that they were getting the same exposure to content. We decided for cost reasons to just live stream the plenary sessions, but all of our breakout rooms have stationary cameras that are going to be recorded and packaged and put up in the library. So within a few weeks, the virtual attendees will get access to that content as well. We feel we delivered a win for the hand and upper extremity therapy community uh, by putting in a live meeting. I hope it sets a standard for the allied space. Have you gotten any feedback yet from any of the people registering for the conference? Yeah, the feedback has been positive. Many folks weren't sure what to expect. You know, they were happy that we paid special attention to safety protocols. They were happy to see spacing, not only in the general session room, but also in the breakout rooms, the requirement to wear a mask, the sanitizers that were provided. We also changed how food was distributed. We still had buffet lines, but they were served by masked and gloved attendants. There are a lot of changes that we you know, have been working with the Marriott and working within the meetings industry to make sure that we were on top of. And I, I think it was appreciated. And the members appreciated that just as much as they appreciated the high level science that was presented this week as well. Yeah, absolutely. I want to go back to something you said, Jessica, that a lot of people were able to come or access this meeting that aren't always able to travel, whether they couldn't travel before. And now certainly even more people can't travel just from everything going on with this pandemic. So I think you're right that the reach was probably so much bigger. And I have to say thank you to you both because I've heard so many people. It was so wonderful just to be back in person. And we all missed just that collaboration and seeing people and being in the same room. Yes, we've all been Zooming, but it's another thing just to be able to be next to people. And I do appreciate the links that y'all went to keep us all safe and I think that people respected that and I even saw the guys last night kind of spraying the room after um, so I knew that they were coming through with the whatever that sanitation stuff is it's called, it's called the Marriott commitment to clean 
So what they do is they go through row by row, chair by chair, and they sanitize every space in the room. And that's not only in general session or breakout, that's the entire building. So that's one of the reasons why we really felt comfortable in having this in-person meeting here because Marriott is dedicated to their clean commitment. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I know. I'm so appreciative of the virtual option. I mean, I'm here, but unfortunately, like Kara had said, everybody can't attend. So it's amazing opportunity to, you know, for people who would never have been able to have the chance to get here. Now you can attend virtually. And I really like that you can go back in and take your time. Yes. Even being here, like I plan to go back in and redo the sessions that I did attend. So I think that's a great opportunity. Yeah. I think the people that are here in person are going to appreciate that as well. So that's a nice option that y'all are allowing as well, because sometimes it could be all or nothing. And we appreciate that you are having that opportunity for that so as well. We can get to courses that we wouldn't have been able to because yeah. sometimes you want to go to two that are being held at the same yeah. time. And so yeah. I think that's a great thing. And I really hope it's here to stay. It, it is. And, and we <laughs> and, and in our discussions with the committee and even in our industry, there is such Zoom fatigue. Yeah. And yeah. so and, and even though our online attendees were still in that environment, Again, the quality of the, of the science and the research was high caliber. And, you know, we're meeting them where they are. And so it was important for us to meet those needs. And we have made that commitment. The board has made that commitment moving forward that we are going to be where our competitors are and be where the industry is and have a hybrid meeting. Because, again, we're reaching audiences and the international audience that was mm-hmm. never engaging with us. And it's going to push us in a good way to rethink content delivery and what our annual meeting looks like. You know, this meeting looked different. We didn't just put on the same in-person meeting and just did some commitment to clean activities. The meeting itself was different and how, you know, from how long some of the sessions went to the type of pre-conference sessions that we ran to how the exhibit hall looked and how we changed around some scheduling because again, we had a virtual audience in mind and so you can't just do the same things. We, We didn't just pick up the 2019 meeting and bring it here to St. Louis. We really had to reimagine everything. And so it's really going to challenge the committee and challenge the staff to go on that journey together Mm -hmm. uh, for the better of the members. Now, Kara and I were both instructors for one of the pre-cons for the hands-on orthotics. And I was cheating and sneaking and looking at the video that they were capturing while we were trying to teach and there is a really good zoomed up session of the orthotics portion so definitely if you get a chance to take that that's definitely a it would be well worth it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and as, and as much as you all are learning, we're learning too. As, as our AV partners, they have never filmed Cadaver Labs. Mm-hmm. They had never seen some of the topics, you know, and so there was some cringing and some covering the eyes and, you know, when videos and pictures were coming up and we tried to warn them against that, but, but these are individuals who thought they could take it and tough it out. And they're like, wow, I wasn't expecting that. And so they're learning and growing in their industry as well, because every association is different. And, you know, they're moving on next week to a different client that's going to be a much different meeting and they can take some of what they learned from our meeting to the benefit of those other clients as well. And we're always asking them, what are you hearing in your industry that our members can benefit from that we can bring as cost-effective or per-effective measures that they can benefit from? Mm -hmm. I know we have one Falcon employee that may just be able to do every orthosis that we have, so we might be recruiting him. 
That's true. They know, they know enough to be dangerous at a cocktail party or a Thanksgiving day. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for taking a couple minutes to t- chat with yeah. Kara and I. And-, and thank you both for being our traveling ambassadors at this conference. <laughs> and I can't wait to hear all of yeah. the content and feedback and yeah, you know, it- from everyone that was here. Should be good. Yeah. yeah. And we can't wait to see you all in Washington, D.C. next yes, year. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. So later Saturday evening, Kara and I had the opportunity to attend the student meetup, which was developed and run by one of our education division members, Kaylee. And what the purpose of that meetup is just to get the students together to kind of obviously meet up and kind of mix and mingle and be able to just collaborate with each other on things that they may be experiencing. And I know at at this year's meetup, they were given kind of a fun activity to fabricate different things, not necessarily orthoses with orthoblast material. So they were given directions and they had to I forget. Do you remember what they had to? I think they ended up doing some different shapes. Yeah, but it was, they were putting it together to make something. So, but it was just fun to see them watching them kind of intermingle, just kind of chatting with each other. It was very laid back, nothing formal. But then after that, we had the opportunity to interview a couple of the students and one of the sets of students actually won the first time research award. So it was nice to be able to discuss what their research project was and how that kind of went out. So we're going to lead into that. All right. So we're here this evening at the student meetup and we've got a couple of students. So tell us your name, where you're from and where you go to school. Hi, my name is Megan. I am from Port St. Lucie, Florida, and I go to the University of Florida. And my name is Jordan. I am from Bradenton, Florida, and I also go to the University of Florida. Very cool. So first, I want to ask about this evening. So what were y'all doing during the student meetup? Yeah, so we grabbed some snacks. We got to meet a couple other students who are here, as well as talk to the individuals that put on the event. We asked them some questions about what to expect moving forward after graduation, sort of got to know each other. I'll let you. Um, And then we did a fun activity where we got some splinting material and we made three different shapes. Uh, The first one was a circle. We made a star and a triangle. And then the challenge was to create a piece of living room furniture out of those three shapes. Oh, how funny. Mm -hmm. I guess that's, yeah, that's a great way to like get used to some of the thermoplastics (laughs) and get creative too. I think that's a big part of our, our field. So coming to the annual meeting is a little different as a student, you know, a lot of us are trying to get our CEUs and meeting colleagues and we've got meetings and whatnot. So you have a different perspective as a student. What made you sign up to come to the annual meeting? That's a great question. So Megan and I are both doctoral capstone students, UF Health hand and upper extremity right now. So in Gainesville, Florida, we're both working with Mike Criccio. And as his capstone student, we are managing a caseload of a variety of diagnoses across the lifespan, but we're also working on our capstone projects. Mine is focused around orthotic fabrication for occupational therapy students. And then as part of that, we are presenting a 
the concurrent instructional lecture tomorrow morning oh, on um, tissue healing. Yeah, so we're very cool. co-presenting yeah. with Mike and another CHT named Kim Knight. So yeah, I'll let you talk too. <laughs> so we um, came to present that concurrent session as well as we both had created a poster that is being presented downstairs. Nice. And then on top of that, we really came because we wanted to learn a lot more about hands just through the experience here at the conference. We wanted to network a lot. We'll be graduating in the middle of December. So we're starting to look and see what's next. And this conference definitely helped provide some more insight to help us decide those How things. How exciting. Y'all are on the home stretch. Yes. Just a few more, a few couple yeah. more months. And then next year, you'll be able to join us as OTs. Yes. Right. How yes. exciting. <laughs> well, we hope to see you next year in D.C. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for coming and obviously presenting tomorrow and even adding a poster. I think it's yeah. it's nice, too, to get involved at that level as a student. And now you've done the hard work so far. You know you can do it next year, too. So mm -hmm. we'll see you then. Thank <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. So we have two individuals with us. If you want to give me uh, your name, what school you're from, and what brings you to the conference this year. Hello, my name is Kaylee Francetic. My name is Clayton Lang. And we are from Huntington University in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And we're here at this conference to present about our research that was intra-rater reliability for a goniometric method to measure scapular protraction and retraction. And you guys won the award, right? We did. <laughs> That's exciting. So give us a little bit more of an insight on your research project and what you presented on this morning. Yeah, so clinically there are a few easy techniques to measure scapular protraction retraction. As OT, it's important to measure protraction retraction, especially for um, like seat belts, pushing cart, because we work so much in with our hands uh, over, especially with like typing and everything, looking at protraction retraction and looking at how can we measure it and quantify it to look at how progression through treatment. This study already established inter-rater reliability. So our study aimed to look at intra-rater reliability, seeing how a expert and novice rater does over time, whether it's consistent. And our results showed that they were mixed, but that they were consistent between both the novice and the expert. I think a very important note to make from research is that the novice rater had a lower SEM than the experience. So this is a very easy technique for even novice practitioners to implement within the clinical setting. So, so you're here at the student meetup this evening. Did you find the student meet student meetup valuable to you, or is it just really to collaborate with other students that have attended the session? <laughs> oh, it, it, very valuable. It's always great to meet other students, talk about programs. Any chance we get to talk to other students, talk to other uh, faculty members at other programs is just an amazing opportunity. Good. And it was great to network here with the professionals as well that were here. So. Yeah. So when will you guys be graduating? May of 2022. Oh, so soon. So you'll be joining the workforce soon. And we'll look for more research from both of you guys. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank Thanks. you. So even as this year's 2021 meeting is currently going on, we're starting to plan for next year. Our annual meeting chair for 2022 is already 
thinking about programming for next year, trying to identify what worked well this year, what might we want to duplicate, and already just kind of has the wheels turning in her mind. And we got to get a little sneak preview of that, and we wanted to share that with you. So we have Kim Craft with us. She is next year's, well, I should say this year's, 2022 meeting coordinator. Is that the right term? Annual meeting chair. Person. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. (laughs) I should know this, shouldn't I? (laughs) No, not at all. Not at all. (laughs) So what what are you looking for for next year's meeting? Ooh, well, I think this year's meeting right off the bat with the first plenary session was a win. And the components of that that I thought were super effective this year that everyone enjoyed was that there was truly advanced content on brachial plexus injury in the very first session. And the experienced therapists that I knew were really challenged in that session. When Mm -hmm. I looked around and saw that they were really thinking, I thought that's a hit. Yeah. I liked that that first plenary panel was multidisciplinary and really highlighted the surgeon-therapist relationship very well, and it included the patient experience, which I, brought us back to our meeting. I really, really love that component. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I shed a tear or two because it is so moving yeah. when we get the feedback from the patient themselves on mm-hmm. how much value and how much appreciation there is from them. And sometimes we forget that because it's like our job. So, But I think that was an excellent component. Mm-hmm, definitely. So, you know, the combination of just rigor and also sense of purpose is something that I think we would all want to duplicate again for next year, for sure. Ooh, might be an inside scoop. <laughs> so, Kim, how do you start the planning process for next year's meeting? And I'm sure that's already is in the works already because I know it takes a long time to get that put together. So what do you start with? Yeah, absolutely. So in the spring, the president-elect chooses their annual meeting chairperson. So this year, Diane Coker is our incoming president, and she chose me to be the chairperson. And immediately following that, a call goes out to the membership for volunteers. So we've already established our committee for 2022, and we've already started comparing notes, coming up with ideas, and also establishing the logo for the meeting and our catchphrase and our catchphrase our tagline for next year is connecting forward embracing change that's great i love it so where is next year's meeting again so next year we are back in washington dc we're at a new hotel this time it's at the washington hilton which is on dupont circle and we're excited about that because it's great for restaurants and recreation so i think it's going to be really fun possibilities outside of sessions also mm-hmm. great so what are you thinking about annual chair So for next year, I am thinking about reading all the feedback from this meeting and listening to the membership. So I'm hoping that everyone puts any large or small thoughts that they have, absolutely anything that they think is helpful for the planning of the meeting. We'd like to have that feedback. And I'll also be talking to the board about the direction of legislation and advocacy for hand therapy. Concerns that involve legislation are, I think, really befitting our location next year. So I'm thinking thinking about that. Oh, good, good. I know we were just speaking with Jean and Jess about the virtual component. We believe it's going to be virtual or hybrid again next year. Um, What are your thoughts on that? 
I think that having a combined virtual and in-person meeting gives us lots of flexibility in how we offer the CEUs and also lots of flexibility in our speakers, pulling in people who may not be physically available, but are still able to join us for an hour to give us what they have to share. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. Yeah, so that was a little bit of insight into the beginnings of the development for the uh, annual meeting in 2022 that's going to be happening in Washington, D.C. And I know I am very excited that it's going to be in Washington, D.C. this next year. So towards the end of the annual meeting this year, we got to sit down with Rachel Piggott, our now immediate past president, just to hear about this last year leading our organization. You know, We're very grateful For her service and her leadership this last year, we know that these last few years have not been easy to lead an organization and navigating new waters, trying to figure out how to lead an organization during a global pandemic. And we're grateful for her leadership and her guidance and wanted to share with you just some of her insight into this last year. All right. Well, we're here with Rachel Piggott, our 2020-2021 president. And now as of yesterday afternoon immediate past president. So tell us what were your expectations coming in as president? And then kind of what was your biggest takeaway from this last year? So overarching the whole year, not just talking about the meeting, right? Sure. Yeah. Or both. Okay. All right. So I think my expectation for the year was, oh, I don't know, just kind of like dealing with any issues that came up and just kind of pushing our field forward and then trying to foster an inclusive environment and representation of our society and our field, really, and like all the work we do and looking how we can expand our field and increase awareness of who we are so that people understand the value we bring to like our communities and to the patients we take care of. So the meeting, my expectation was that it was going to be very different. I didn't know how it was going to run. And I thought there were going to be a lot of logistics, which is totally true. But I had all the faith in our staff because they really, in any, all the years that I've volunteered for ASHT, they're always right there. They're anticipating things we're worried about, we're concerned about in the environment we're in. They were constantly keeping track of public health requirements in regards to the pandemic nationally, locally. How is that going to blend with our meeting? What do we need to do to keep it safe? What do we do to have it flow smoothly and for everybody to get a lot out of it and enjoy it? So it's just so many moving parts. And I was ready for a roller coaster ride. And it was a fun ride. Our hands were up. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I know that you just finished your term as of maybe not even 12 hours ago. What was your biggest takeaway or what is your biggest reflection from this last year serving as president? My biggest reflection is how hard everybody works. And it's been a great year. We've had a really wonderful group on the board level. I've had the opportunity to really see what's going on with all of the committees, all the divisions. We've had the opportunity to grow this year with adding the Diversity, Equity, Inclusion Committee. So I think I see a lot of exciting change for our field and it's just really cool. So, Well, we appreciate your service and know that we know where to find you and we know you're going to stick around for a little while too. So thank you for all that you've done for our organization. Thanks so much for this opportunity.
So our very last interview, we got to sit down with Nora Barrett, our 2021 annual meeting chair. First off, thank you, Nora, for an amazing meeting. I know that the people that were there in person were raving about it, just the topics, the speakers, just the whole experience. And I know that those enjoying it virtually also, I'm sure, sharing those same sentiments. So thank you for that. But we got to hear just how she kind of planned this meeting, what her thoughts were on choosing speakers and what went into planning this 2021 meeting. All right. I'm here with Nora Barrett, our 2021 annual meeting chair, and we just wrapped up an amazing meeting. So first off, thank you so much for putting on one, a live conference. I know we were all excited about that, but two, just wonderful content. I know I've just already heard lots of buzz about just how wonderful all the programming was and the opportunities. So thank you for that. Give us kind of a a wrap up or even like where your head was at when you were planning this and then how you have sat back and watched this come to fruition and and your your take home from this last few days first of all thank you so much um it was definitely a group effort meeting planners ashd staff but then also a phenomenal committee and what we think about right away is okay where are we st louis awesome place right phenomenal medical institutions a great hand surgery and hand therapy community communities in our theme let's let's tap that right so having gone to wash U was super helpful um, and part of the reason that rachel pigott the president who i'm also friends with had asked me to chair this meeting because i had done it previously i will say the second time around has been a lot more enlightening it really made me think what do i want to see as a clinician but also include folks with maybe not as much experience or more experience than me, right? We always have to be thinking who is our therapy attendant. And sometimes with the whole COVID situation, we didn't, with caps and numbers, we don't know that. So you still have to plan a meeting that that caters to all and to everyone. We had great topics and excellent speaker submissions. You don't technically have control over that, but we were thrilled when that came in. So we knew we had, we had a great model to push. And then some of those larger plenary sessions we planned and that's where I really wanted to tap into our St. Louis community. Rachel's panel was phenomenal Mm -hmm. with the community and equity, but I also really wanted to capitalize on St. Louis as a nerve institution, right, that it is. The attendees were phenomenal. Everyone was relaxed. Um, I felt the COVID protocol was handled so well. We had excellent adherence to that. So that made me and I think everyone else feel safe, which I think is a huge part right now, right? We have to think about that and we have to think about it moving forward. The virtual component, I think it's in, it's in demand, but I think it's here with us for a while. And I love that aspect that if you didn't get to see something, you can go back and watch it. Or if you really wanted to take a take-home point to hit it again, you can watch that now for a year. So so how great is that, right? And then speaking on the equity piece, I think we still capture those folks who can't make it here. Four days, a flight, hotels, the meals you have to pay for, missing work, kids at home. There's all those reasons. And so we have always thought about that. And COVID has actually pushed us to answer on that. And so, gosh, there's one of those benefits of of COVID, right? I appreciated the smaller meeting size. Truthfully, um, there was a definite feel of easier contact uh, with people, a little bit of a less stressful vibe. So I I appreciated that coming from some of the larger meetings we've been to. And so we have to start thinking about that now with this virtual component. How is it going to look? But number one, my job 
and number one is content we have to produce a quality meeting and I do feel like we did that so I'm happy about that yeah absolutely I would totally agree that you definitely pulled that off I think just the content was fantastic lots of different breakout sessions and plenary sessions were just phenomenal and you could tell that the audience was engaged and just inspired after especially that first evening I think having that patient perspective too and even actually I went to a session this morning with Jenny Dorich who had a patient as well and it was just nice to hear from our patients and be reminded of that so thanks for bringing some of that to this meeting too and now you can relax but we do want to thank you for just putting on an amazing conference and we look forward to seeing everybody in DC next year too for sure and there actually was another session the Dupatrin session had a patient as well and I think that's such a great reminder especially coming out of a couple COVID years of gosh this is why we do what we do to bring that component to it Um, and from that brachial plexus panel on the opening session I do want to give a huge shout out to Dr. D not just for helping put that panel together but he was a vital part of our meeting this year really connected with our therapists again a great example of a local physician but also great human coming and supporting our community so a huge shout out to him to all the folks in st louis to our attendees we thoroughly enjoyed having you and we look forward to continuing to be able to go back and utilize that virtual component so thank you so much i appreciate your time as well and this whole podcast thing has been pretty amazing if you guys could see them bopping around and getting clips from everybody this whole meeting everyone has really enjoyed it thank you yeah thank you we've had a lot of fun so go rest go celebrate and thank you again for hosting an amazing conference so i guess overall my opinion of the meeting i think it went really really well we kind of went into uncharted territory trying to do the hybrid you know last year we had to do a full virtual course now this year we did the hybrid virtual and in person and i think I would love to see that continue on forever. I think we're going to be able to reach a larger audience. So those people that there's no way they could ever attend a meeting in person, this way you're going to be able to register and you can go in and attend all the sessions just like you're there. You know, and I know there are a couple little perks that the virtual only attendees did get. So if you do sign up virtually, you will get one or two little perks that are the in-person attendees did not get, which I will not. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and you can still register, which is pretty exciting that ASHT (laughs) kept registration open. So if you know people that feel like they missed out, you can still register and it will be open. Actually, you have access to all the content until September 27th, 2022. So almost an entire year to go back in and view, which I'm excited about that some of those instructional, those concurrent sessions that I wasn't able to attend, I can go back in and listen to those. And because there were several that were happening at the same time, like you mentioned earlier, that Mm -hmm. you wish that you could have one ear in one and one ear in the other. And I heard some great ones. There were some hands-on labs. I think there were some patients that came also to present during those as well. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to go back in and listen. And there's a ton of CEUs that you're going to able, you know, if you go to all of the, or attend or listen to all of the offerings, you can kind of rack up CEUs for really inexpensive cost and you didn't yeah. have to pay for travel. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And just one little side note, 
Kara, did you make it home? Obviously, from oh, I <laughs> as, did. As I flew on one of the airlines that had some challenges. <laughs> I did. Yeah, I got a little nervous when I got an alert actually on my phone, which I was very impressed with the app that ASHT had. This I know they've had it in the past, but like getting the alerts of when sessions were starting and when things were happening. Mm-hmm. But on Sunday, I got an alert about the Southwest flights that got canceled and whatnot. And I freaked out because I thought, oh my goodness, I have to get back to Dallas. I've got to get home. And I luckily was not on a canceled flight. I think I was on, it was like every other flight back to Dallas got canceled that day. And luckily mine was not. So yes, I did make it home and was grateful for that. But I I have to say, I I was impressed at ASHT and and the Marriott. They worked with the Marriott too. So if any of you, I hope none of you got stuck in St. Louis an extra night because of that. (laughs) Yeah. I definitely got an earful on my way to the airport. The gentleman that had driven me out, he was just basically was like, do you know how many times I've driven back and forth to the airport? He's like, I'm (laughs) taking people back that I took out in the morning because their flights were all canceled. Oh, that's terrible. And even just saying that like people had checked their luggage already and then their flight got canceled. So (gasps) he was like, people have been just so frustrated. So, you know, I, I hope none of our attendees, you know, experienced any of that, but I was just thinking of everybody as I was going to the airport, knowing my flight wasn't canceled. So <laughs> Yes. Yes. I think I held my breath until like we were actually up in the air that is this <laughs> flight going to get canceled, but we, it was, and it was packed. I think was it? everyone that had canceled flights, they were putting people wherever they could. So, but I made it home and I had a great, great time. And, (laughs) and I'm looking forward to next year too. next year being in, in DC, one of my favorite cities, my favorite non meeting activity. Oh Um, yeah. We went to the four hands brewery. Yes. (laughs) In St. Louis. And of course, what do a bunch of hand therapists do (laughs) at Four Hands Brewery, but take a picture? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. You can't forget all the other fun, semi non educational events. (laughs) One fun fact about me I am trying to hit up every national park in the next few years. And it just so happens that one of the national parks is in. St. Louis. So Gateway National Park is there. No, Gateway Arch National Park. So I ventured down there on, Mm -hmm. I guess it was Thursday before the meeting kicked off. I couldn't, it's like the most urban national park ever. I didn't, you know, really see a place (laughs) to like pitch my tent and stay the night. So I ended up, you know, just going back to the hotel, but um, that was a fun, fun thing to do outside of the meeting as well. So got to throw in a little fun and DC will be a great place for that next year. It's one of my favorites and with all the museums and So if you have time to spend some extra, well, I guess have a little extra time while you're there to hit up some of the museums and monuments and whatnot, because it's a neat city too. Yeah, definitely. Got to have some fun while you're at a meeting. (laughs) Right. All right. Well, we hope that if you were there in person, that you enjoyed your time. If you're watching the meeting virtually. We hope that you're enjoying the talks as well. And then of course, if you got to do both, you're now getting to experience because it is open and don't forget to watch those and submit for your CEUs before September 27th, 2022. And 
if you really enjoyed Kara and I's overview of <laughs> the meeting, we thought we wanted to bring something a little bit different. Please let us know. Um, we always are interested in what our listeners have to say about what material we're presenting. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Hands in Motion brought to you by the American Society of Hand Therapists. You can listen on the ASHT website and or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple, Google, Amazon Music, and Spotify. And once subscribed, please rate and review our podcast to help us reach new listeners and continue to offer valuable, relevant content. You've been listening to Hands in Motion, brought to you by the American Society of Hand Therapists. To learn more about ASHT and to subscribe to the show, please visit ASHT.org. We'll see you next time on the Hands in Motion podcast. <laughs>